Hello and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast. Uh, it's a select group with me, Ian Doyle, today. I've got with me our full-time Liverpool reporter, both home and away, James Pearce, and our full-time LFC editor, Andy Kelly. Now, James, you were at, uh, it's been four four days now, isn't it, since the Southampton game. You were there. Uh, still a little, feeling a little bit frustrated with the uh, result, if maybe not the performance. Yeah, I think it, you know, it was difficult to come away with any other feeling than it was two points dropped on the on the balance of play, I think you know Liverpool had so many chances, didn't they, to to, to make it count? Especially, you know, first half was was pretty average. Um, you know, I think that was pretty much what everyone was almost expecting after such a difficult preparation and and you know a tricky tricky time uh, tricky test in front of them. But second half was was a big improvement. You know, they, it was it was so one sided, um, just frustrating that they couldn't make it count. And then obviously when you watch Chelsea a, a day after, very similar game really where. Middlesbrough were really well, you know, defended really well, really well organised, didn't really show any threat themselves. And then, you know, it's just a, a poacher's finish from Costa settles it. Um, so, yeah, it was it, it was a it was a shame because I think I think Liverpool will play worse than that this season and, and probably win games because there wasn't that much wrong with the, with the performance. Um, just, you know, I, I think it was telling that the big chances were missed by players who I think probably were a bit fatigued and jaded. Um, you know, Coutinho, Firmino, and Mane. I think all three passed up opportunities that I think, if if they'd been fresh, I, I think I, I think they'd have tucked away. Andy, you said I think last week when we were in the podcast that you said you expected Liverpool to be five points clear by Christmas. So within one game, they've already been knocked off the top. I mean, funny of you to bring that up. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think you'll also find uh, that I said, though I think Liverpool will be a few points clear at Christmas despite having a couple of slip-ups on the way. And I said one of those could well come on would Saturday. You, would you regard this as a slip-up, though? Because obviously this was a game where last season Liverpool lost 3-2 when they were 2-0 ahead at half-time. It gives them an extra point in terms of those comparative games of last season. But when you've dominated a game like that, uh, then it is, I think as James says, two points dropped. I think most Reds would have been a bit disappointed on Saturday night, ultimately. Um, I think... We think Liverpool are a better team than Southampton, but the thing that stood out for me was the approach Southampton took. And this is Southampton, who are a pretty good team. You know, finished above Liverpool last season. For all that we know, Liverpool sort of dropped two or three places towards the end, didn't they? Um, and this was a side that is capable of beating most Premier League teams. In fact, all teams in the Premier League can get beat at Southampton. And their approach was basically, we're going to keep this as tight as possible for 70 minutes. And then finally he thought, we'll, we'll have a go for when he brought Long on, which was, what, 15, 20 minutes to go, wasn't it, Jim? So yeah. he went Long and Austin. And I think that was because I think he thought a goal was potentially coming at the Liverpool end yeah. and he thought the only way of maybe sort of uh, neutering that threat, so to speak, was to give themselves a threat at the other end. But really, if you take out the the Charlie Austin header, which I thought Klein did brilliant on, by the way, defensively, um, they, they had very little... And this is the sign for me was that this could be what Liverpool are going to have to... We're used to it at Anfield, but we're used to sort of Liverpool being seen sometimes as maybe you can get at them a potential soft touch on the road. And I think the performances at places like Crystal Palace has said to other people, uh, teams in the Premier League that, you know, don't, don't try and go at Liverpool because you could end up on the end of a three or four goaler. Well, James, this is what Jurgen Klopp said after the game, wasn't it? He said that um, you're gonna, Liverpool are going to have to get used to teams just coming out and trying to stop them, not not trying to play. As, as Andy said, they're not so much at Anfield, but on their own patch. 
Yeah, it's a compliment, isn't it? I think it you know it was. I was surprised at just how cautious Southampton were, but I think as Andy said, you know it it just goes back to what they you know opponents have seen what Liverpool are capable of doing. If if you uh, if you leave yourselves exposed, and they were they were so careful Southampton never to do that. You know even even when they did have little spells, they committed very few players forward. Um, you know, I think they were always so wary about getting done on the counter. Um, but you know even in saying that, I think. Liverpool still created a lot of really, really good chances. You know the um, the Marnie one in the first half, where obviously Forster's made a, a brilliant save. It wasn't quite in the corner, and then obviously the Coutinho, Firmino, uh, the Klein header, um, Chan, Chan, Chan yeah, you know, snatched it. I don't think he really realised Chan how much time he had uh, in that in that moment. So, you know, I, I think I think that was why. I, kind of the more I thought about it, the more I thought, you know, do you know what? that really wasn't much of a setback because there actually wasn't that much wrong with the performance. I think we've seen this season what Klopp can do when he's got that full week to prepare. And I think you could sense from the way he was talking to Melwood on Thursday when he did his press briefing that, that he was worried about that game because, you know, I think, as we said, you know, I think Coutinho obviously went for a scan on Thursday, didn't train till Friday. Firmino didn't train till Friday. Mane had obviously come back from South Africa. So, you know, it, was, it wasn't ideal preparation. Um, so I think you know I think he said himself he was pleasantly surprised by what he what he actually witnessed. So you know although although you come away frustrated you know it, it didn't do anything to kind of dampen kind of my enthusiasm or kind of belief nothing, in nothing him. nothing dampens no, your enthusiasm yeah, just when like, it comes to Liverpool. Occasionally games. it does, but not on not on Saturday just because I thought you know there was there was no real weaknesses there that I thought you know that that's an issue that we haven't seen so far this season. I just think it was. One of those days when it wouldn't go in. Yeah, yeah no, Christian Walsh was on our analysis down there with, with, with James at, at St Mary's and thought he made a really good point in terms of it looked like Klopp had almost made a change, just referencing what James said about what he was saying before the game, because it felt to me like, uh, and I, I think we mentioned at the pod last week, it might be a game where he felt go and be solid for most of the game, and I think he was worried about if he went full pelt that they could conk out towards the end of it, and it, it almost went the other way, didn't it, where they sort of started slow, and then once they sort of knew they were in a reasonable position in the game, sort of went for it a bit more second half, and obviously you had those chances. Not forgetting that Matip one where it was just you know lovely free kick in, and you're wondering you how, the, uh... how is how is that not a goal? And uh, you know it was still a, a clean sheet, which we've been you know loads of people have been wittering on. We need clean sheets. There was another clean sheet. Well, it's interesting um, that no one really made a big deal of that after the game, did they? Nobody was thinking, oh look at Liverpool, they've kept a clean sheet. Really, really barely mentioned. I yeah, think it, it was more with the fact, oh look, they can't score. It's 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 like it's either one thing or the other. But that's always a sign of a team that people are now expecting more of. That people are going to nitpick and stuff like that. And given the fact they've only twelve games into this to the season now, that's a bit of a compliment, isn't it, to what Klopp's achieved so far? That people are already nitpicking. Yeah, I think so. I think that's why there's a bit of a, probably a bit of an overreaction to the outcome. I think. Well, Liverpool had what, scored 10 in the previous two games. So I think there's almost an expectation now that this Klopp team will just go and blow teams away. But, you know, I, I think, you know, defensively, Liverpool did, did brilliantly. I thought, um, you know, I think there was a stat that I think Karius didn't have a save to make, did he? And I think it was the first time since Southampton came back up that that, that had happened for one of their, their home Premier League games that they hadn't had a shot on target. And, um, you know, Matip was, you know... I, on a you know this this season Liverpool's attacking players have kind of dominated the headlines and and got most of the plaudits and rightly so but um you know I thought the two centre backs on 
on Saturday, down at St Mary's, were were both outstanding because you know yes, they didn't have you know what they've had much busier afternoons this season, but you know where you know Charlie Austin's been a man in form, um, you know, and when Saints did did flicker into life, they they dealt with that threat really well. I'm gonna say Neil Jones is also not with us at the moment. He he did the ratings and he gave Matty nine out of ten and said he was almost close to perfection. Would you would you go along yeah. with that? Yeah, I would do actually. Yeah, yeah, I think the um. He just he just looks so calm and composed on the ball, doesn't he? And, you know, nothing nothing seems to to rattle him. And you know, he, people talk about you know John and John Stones makes mistakes and the rest of it. Well, you know, you've got to take that with a with a young defender because that's the way he's been asked to play. Well, I think Matic plays pretty similarly with the way that with, with the way that he is. You know, he he brings the ball down, brings it out with the ball at his feet, looking for passes. But he just you know you don't ever get that sense with him. He's taking a chance because. Everything is done with such precision, and um, you know, back in the summer when I you know first saw him playing some of the friendlies, the only the only concern you had was whether he was a bit too gangly and whether he could handle the physicality of, of the Premier League. But you know he was, you know, when you think of some of the challenges that he's been up against already this season, you know you think of Kane and Costa and um, you know the the other you know Vardy I, that he dealt with Ibrahimovic. You know he he's he's had most of the big tests. And and he's won them all. Um, and yeah, I thought I'd certainly go along with that. Probably you only give him a nine on the basis that you know he, Southampton didn't really show that much ambition. But he, um, yeah, I thought that was right up there with his best displays I mean, of the season. Just to clear something up, I think I've just made it sound as though Neil has had something nasty happen to him. He's just not with us because he's on a day off. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's no, that's that's, that's the thing. He's allowed days off. He's <laughs> in fact he's uh, he's back in tomorrow um, introducing his uh, Minulay podcast is, yes, for yes. those who. Uh, Really good chat with All Simon Minulays. But uh, team crumpets. looking back to the centre-backs, uh, watching the rerun of the game last night, uh, agree on Matip, looked superb. There was just like one back pass that, were, uh, that he left a little bit short where you could maybe go you know, close. But I actually thought Lovren was just as good, to be honest. And I'd have probably marked him up to a nine in the sense that he got dogs abuse from uh, Southampton fans. And, you know... It was a bit. It's a bit petty when they literally boo every touch, and who could be bothered going? It's good football? commitment, though. I mean, excellent commitment. It, I mean, it just shows they had nothing else to do during the game, didn't they? Because I, I don't knock fans for criticizing players who wanted to leave their club, and ultimately, the, it seemed that Lovren was keen to push his move through, shall we say, without mm. knowing the, the ins and outs of it. So, uh, you know, given that we 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 often see players. You know, it happens rarely, much, you know, much more uh, fewer incidences at Liverpool. But we've seen Raheem Sterling get, you know, a lot of abuse at Anfield, and and uh, you know, plenty of people would say quite rightly so. So I just think that mostly, um, you, you sort of get out of the way, wait for Flano to kick him, and then you move on a little bit. Uh, <laughs> down there, Lovren, yeah. you know, it was every touch, wasn't it? You know, and, I think, yeah, I, think I thought he came through brilliant. Yeah, to be fair. you do. I think part of that was because nothing happened for the first forty minutes. I think. In the second half, they, they kind of stopped. When, when there was actually something else to talk about and something else to watch going on in the game, yeah. he didn't really get the, the dog's abuse. He, I think it literally, because I was sat there after half an hour and I hadn't made a single note, and you were thinking, and I just want to Never put that up in your match report. Just, <laughs> just, just think, have I actually missed anything? Because nothing has happened in this game. So I think, I think that was why they had literally had nothing better to do in that opening half an hour than to abuse him. But I think what was telling was that back in March, when well, he got the same treatment, that, yeah. he absolutely went to pieces. Yeah. I don't know if you remember, he shoved Shane Long, mm. should have given away a penalty, he got booked. Then he was giving away silly little niggly fouls and 
the fans were howling for him to get sent off and obviously Klopp then took him off, brought on Skirtle, which was like pouring petrol on a fire. Um, and then Liverpool completely went to pieces. Um, Sorry. Which, you know, okay. Okay. No, go on. Go on, no, go on. I was going to say, does this not underline then that Lovren's problem's always been in his head? Yeah. Because ever definitely. since he, we always thought that when he first came here, it, it was like you could tell he was a good player, good defender, but physically, yeah. I mean, I thought he was as quick as I've ever seen him on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, I don't have him down as in my head as a quick player. You've got Matip down as being quick, but there was a couple of times where just down the sides where people tried to outrun him, and uh, he just you know, seemed to go through up a gear. And I, I don't associate his game with that. And uh, you know, he did a couple of challenges as well where he, where he sort of looked at the guy he just tackled and I sort of thought yeah he's in prime physical shape at the moment touching wood here because I know that if he if, there'll no doubt be an injury within it will the now next... be Andrew Kelly's fault <laughs> you always worry about scudding them but you know he looks in great shape Matip we've always associated with with being that classy defender and he, a few times he was um he was Liverpool's most forward player a couple of times in the game. Well, I was going to mention that uh, Christian Walters did a little bit of research today, didn't he? And he found out that, was it, Matip made his debut for Cameroon in the World Cup in 2010 against uh, Japan. And he was playing as at what position? Uh, he was playing attacking midfield yes. um, off the front, which <laughs> is, uh, I think, uh, I don't think it lasted too long. It lasted mm. a game. But, um, you know, that, that's a sign of how comfortable he is on the ball. Uh, with the ball at his feet and moving forward, and you know when I, when I was watching the rerun, I was going, Lovren just or uh, Matip sat there in the in the centre forward position, and it's a little bit about this whole, you know, Klopp thing where there's no one's really in a it's fluid, it's total fluid. football. And this it's is how football. he solved the this is how this is a tangent, but this is how he solved the Oviagaria problem uh, in terms of bringing him through to the first team because my. My issue from watching the academy teams was always, what is Ovi Ajaria? I couldn't work out whether he was a midfielder, attacking midfielder, forward. Didn't seem to have a position. Cop doesn't bother with that. Just go, you're a good player, go on and play some. And uh, uh, that's how he's got round it. And I think with Matip... It comes back to the old thing, if you're a good footballer, you're a good footballer no matter what. Yeah, and Joel Matip is... And again, there was that, as well as the header from the Coutinho free kick he didn't quite reach. The, The subsequent corner by Coutinho, again... There was some great movement from him and Lovren, and he came in and attacked it. It was almost an action replay of the Crystal Palace goal, wasn't it? Now, he wasn't the... Well, Matip and Lovren weren't the only two good centre-backs on display at Southampton on Saturday. There was one playing for Southampton, wasn't there? Yes. Is it Van Dijk? Two, two I, I, would say, say, I would say two, just about. Two? No, Virgil van Dijk is one word. No, uh, name, <laughs> sorry. It's not one word, it's three words, and it's one player. But Font's a good player as well, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he is, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, they, they, they both performed really well, didn't they, I think? Van Dijk probably was the the pick, the pick of them. Um, just so, so much so that everyone now in the in the papers this morning yeah. is linking Liverpool with a forty was it forty million pound move? Yeah, just what, the, yeah. Because so it's going to make the point. You look at Van Dijk, who's come from Celtic. I think he was thirteen million pounds from Celtic to Southampton eighteen months ago. And Mr. Matip, how much did he cost? Zilch. Exactly. So there are bargains to be had if you yeah. know what you're looking for. That's, yeah, and I yeah. think it's he's underlined already again in twelve games that. Even if he doesn't do anything else this season, it'll still be a bargain. Yeah, and I think I think that's why where you know Klopp's knowledge of the Bundesliga really paid off, didn't it? Because you know I, I think he was most when when Liverpool signed him. I think the pre-contract was signed back in February. I think most people probably may maybe had seen a tiny bit of him playing for Schalke in the Champions League, but didn't really know much about him. And you know I remember going down to Melbourne to see Klopp, and it was a, I think it was head of one of the Europa League games and. 
and he was quite dismissive of. I think the suggestion was that he was almost being brought in as Colatore's replacement, as you know, a free transfer and maybe be viewed as a squad player. And Klopp kind of, with ten, within ten minutes, had left you in no doubt that he certainly saw his importance and role in the the squad as much greater than that. And uh, you know, he's he's been a it's been an absolute masterstroke, hasn't it? When you think, you know, I, I don't think you know already. You're racking your brain trying to think of a of a free transfer that Liverpool have got, who's come in and and made that kind of impact. You know, he's in probably Gary McAllister. Well, like Gary McAllister was late, like in his thirties, wasn't he? Whereas Matip is, he's got quite a lot of his career ahead of him, hasn't he, Andy? Yeah, absolutely, because he's 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 played a ridiculous amount of Bundesliga games for the yeah, ages. Two hundred games, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, that's all you know. Fantastic news for Liverpool. Of course, you know, every game you play takes a certain amount of um, physical. Um, the word, but you know, physical Exertion. effect on you, you know, and mm. um, so you know, those games will all pile up later in his career. But for Liverpool to get him so experienced at this stage, you know, brilliant. The thing about Virgil van Dijk, I was astonished by was that people were in some way surprised that oh, he's a very good defender. Anyone who's watched exactly, he's been there 18 months, been there 18 months. He was a very he's good player at Celtic. at Celtic, he scored nine goals in his last season up there, or something like that. Uh, so he. It was lucky for Liverpool that they didn't have many set pieces to defend because he's a massive threat at them. As will well. he be though, as Mickey Quinn has said today? Will he be, you know, the missing link for Liverpool to challenge for the title? He came out today and said that about Van Dijk. Do you think I it's can't just? I see it. No, just, I just, I don't. No, I, I don't. I don't really see Klopp feeling that he needs to strengthen that area in January. I think, you know, I think it's been well documented that he'd, he'd like a. A wide attacker, if he can get one, with obviously Mane gone for a month and and, and Danny Ings out for the season, but I, I just I don't see, you know, I, I don't see Liverpool going out and spending big on a on a centre back in January. You know, even if even if they could get Southampton to agree to do business, which is no guarantees that that would happen. I just think you know Lovren and Matip are, are quite clearly the first choice combination, both flourishing as a, you know they're flourishing as a partnership. There's no need to even think about. Rocking that, and then you've got you know, Lucas has done well when he's come into the side. You've got Clavin, who you know hasn't played much in the last few months, but you know Klopp, you know clearly brought him in for a reason. He's not going to write him off straight away. And then you've got young Joe Gomez um, on the comeback trail as well. So I, I can't see that. Clavin would be quite happy to play behind the Liverpool midfield after. Um, playing behind the Estonian one, <laughs> conceding eight last week. Yeah, he did, he did score one of them he as did, well. He did yeah. deflect one in as well. I think he had a. It was a pretty tough, uh, pretty tough evening for him. So uh, yeah, I think he'd be quite happy. But I could see on a centre back issue, the only business they might do is if if Saka were to be uh, were to leave, um, you might consider they were slightly thin. Um, but again, I don't think you'd be spending money on a first choice. You'd be you'd be looking at almost like a Bundesliga type again to come in as uh, as cover, I think, rather than... Anyway, I, I think haven't Southampton stopped taking Liverpool's calls by this stage? Well, I know, there'd be no players left to take. <laughs> uh, we're now going to do our regular what's happening with Daniel Sturridge question section. So, James, what's happening with Daniel Sturridge? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, not a lot at the moment. Um, you know, I, I don't think... It doesn't need much working out that he's... Uh, He's frustrated, obviously, because um, you know he, he's not in the pecking order where he wants to be. Um, you know, I think he, you know, he probably had good reason to, to feel a bit of hard done by on the weekend. Um, I thought he probably should have been brought on a bit earlier. Um, but again, you know, you couldn't you, you couldn't have a go at him for anything after. You know, I think he only came on with ten minutes to go, 
and, and he made a difference straight away. He set up the chance for Clyde, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, and you know, for someone who's you know gets thrown at him that he's not a team player and all the rest of it, you know, the way he worked that ball into space and was was aware of Klein's run as well. Um, he improved Liverpool when he came on, and you know, I think you know if if had been if there'd been another ten minutes of storage in that game, it, it may may well have led to the the breakthrough. Um, I mean, it has been a tough time for him. Um, you know, Firmino is clearly the first choice number nine. Um, you know, I don't think Sturridge really fits into that formation that Klopp favours in, in any other role. So, you know, you either have him in that central position or he doesn't start. But, you know, Liverpool are entering a really busy period of the season um, and he will 100% be required. So, you know, I, I'd be amazed if he was happy at the moment because, you know, why should he be happy? Because he wants to play, he wants to be the main man. You know, I remember pre-season he talked about wanting to prove he was the best best striker in the Premier League and he you know, he hasn't scored a Premier League goal and we're not far off December. So it's it's not the situation he wants to be in. But I still think he can he can turn it around. I mean, I think he'll play against Sunderland. I wouldn't be surprised to see him start. I mean, would you? Um, not sure about that, Ian. I mean, I... But why shouldn't he start? Because... Well, be- because they've had success. Take take the, you know, the effects of the international break over. They've had success with Firmino in that role. And, you know, Firmino, again, you know, missed his... Massive chance on Saturday, but you know has generally done really well. I mean, and the lads were tweeting, you know, Firmino everywhere uh, from Saturday. So he obviously put in the effort despite you know lengthy journey. And it, you know, the fact that you can't score every game, so there doesn't seem a reason to to drop him. And then you're looking at a change of formation. So I think there's an argument for saying we just you know we we, we go again. Um, and, I thought that phrase was banned. Well, <laughs> but with with possibly, but Daniel Sturridge for me, you know, I've said in the pod start of the season that you know I thought he probably long term didn't have a future at Liverpool just because of the way Klopp was going to set up, and to a certain extent, I still believe that. But if he can get, if you look at the clubs who have been linked with him, oh, he's, Stoke, better, he's better than West Ham, West Ham and Stoke, you isn't know, he? The only well, the club the Arsenal would win the league if they bought Daniel Sturridge. There you are. You know, are, you can put that in the headline. Yeah, I was going to uh, say, yeah, yeah, thanks. Yeah, no, I'll just make a note of this now. Because <laughs> so the know, Liverpool Blood Red podcast says Arsenal signs Daniel Sturridge and you will win the league. Well, says Andrew Kelly, that's the, our if, LFC if, editor. <laughs> if you look at if you look at the clubs who could do, um, I mean, even Spurs. You know, those types of club who could do who, you know, if you take if Kane's in one of those random runner forms that he gets, you know, good and bad, then, you know, I could see Daniel Sturridge having uh, no idea. <laughs> but Daniel Sturridge, the point I'm making is Daniel Sturridge is above West Ham and is above Stoke. And if he's to move, you know... He's been to City and Chelsea, so he can't go there, really. He won't go to Man United. You can always go back to Chelsea as... as uh, but then they've got, but, they've got the, but, the unpronounceable... No, he's not yeah. going to... You know, we've seen that with other players going back to Chelsea with Luis and with uh, uh, Matic and uh, mm. those types of players. But there's also an issue of who would Liverpool sell them to? Because, you know, for, for a start, I'm being slightly facetious with the Arsenal shout, but you would think Arsenal would be interested and you'd think Liverpool would say, there's no way we're selling them to no. you because that's a massive competitor yeah. and you... We know enough about Daniel Sturridge to know that in the right setup with the right service, and we know Arsenal have bundles of those types of people, then he could be lethal. But equally, we know Liverpool have several. And James's point that you know we're getting into a really busy bit of the season. 
you can double that for next season. I don't think anyone around this table or most Reds in, around the world think that Liverpool aren't going to be anywhere but in Europe next season. And hopefully the Champions League. And those, if we're wanting to keep a strike force which is hungry and absolutely on point for every game, then Daniel Sturridge could have you know, a phenomenal uh, impact in that. You certainly need someone of his standard for next year, even if it's not him. Well, we've spoken in the pod a few times before about both Danny Ings, obviously he was out for the season, and Origi perhaps playing the long game in terms of, I think it was James that actually mentioned it, that they Good know... Point, yeah, it's a great point. That they will be involved next season. They might not play as much this season, maybe, but yeah. next season, hopefully Liverpool will qualify for Europe and they'll be a lot more involved and they'll play a lot more games. But we had Ian Wright earlier this week saying that the fact that Sturridge wasn't, didn't start when all those players had been on international duty was a sign maybe that he perhaps should look to leave in January. But then, you know, John Aldridge in, in the Echo on uh, Monday night was saying that, you know, all, uh, Daniel Sturridge could be the key to a title challenge because you need players like him to be available to come in because, you, you know, there's no way you can say that if Sturridge comes in, he's not going to make the team considerably worse. In fact, he could be at the same level. It's, and we're only talking in terms of positional play, not his actual talent and his ability to score goals. It's how he fits into the master plan. That Jurgen Klopp wants if he comes in, you know, you've seen this season already the game against Leicester when he started up front, Liverpool won four one. He may not score, but he certainly contributed to a few, few goals. And you'd imagine he's going to get off the mark shortly in the Premier League anyway. So I mean, he's a very, there's no, very there's no chance player, of him going in January, is there? No, no. no you, as Andy said, who'd you sell him to? Because you know, you, there's no way that Liverpool, even if even if you had someone else lined up that you thought right bang that player could come in and make a big impact in the second half of the season. You'd still think, well, you'd have to be very, very careful about who you sell storage to because you know what damage he can do when, you know, in, in, the, in the right environment. So no, I, I just I don't see any situation where he leaves in January. I think, I think as the season goes on, his importance to, to this Liverpool team will grow. I agree with Andy that in the long term, you know, I, I think you know, it probably will be a debate. I can see it being an, a, a saga next summer. Well, we do I mean, like a saga. Yeah, just because, <laughs> because you know, because of... That you know, holiday for you. Sorry. <laughs> you know, what we talked about previously about, you know, him you know, probably not being the, the perfect fit for the way that Klopp wants Liverpool to play. I think when Sturridge plays, you probably do have to do things slightly differently. But that doesn't mean that he weakens Liverpool as a team. I just think he changes Liverpool as a team slightly. And I actually agree with you that... I think I think I'd start him against Sunderland just because I think I think a midfield three of of Henderson, Chan, and Wijnaldum probably isn't you know creative or vibrant enough for a visit of a of a team that is so vulnerable defensively as as Sunderland. I prefer you know I quite like Coutinho in that kind of if Lallana misses out mm. again, which we think he will, Coutinho in that role, and then you know because Firmino does a lot of his damage by drifting along and cut you know drifting in from the flanks anyway because it's such a, a fluid front three that you know I don't I don't think you lose anything really from Firmino if you if you put him uh on the on the right side of that or the, on the, or the left maybe of that front three um so you know I I think there must be a decent chance that Sturridge will start on the weekend we'll obviously talk more about something later in the week thoroughly but one point we probably should have made is that point at St Mary's becomes a good or a bad point depending on where Liverpool go from here don't, mm. doesn't it it's a bit like what happened at Burnley and what, um, the draw against United I think they went four game four game winning run and I think they they, they, they won a good few on, on the back of United as well um, I think 
pretty them up to 13 games unbeaten, wasn't it? 13 games. 13 games unbeaten in all yeah. competitions. So you, you've got to sort of get straight back on the bike on Saturday, coming against Southampton or Sunderland, obviously at a time when they're probably at their best point of the season. But I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing for Liverpool, to be honest. And, uh, you know, I think obviously Amachibi got two on the weekend. I think, I think there was 10 years between his last Premier, Premier League double and his... Uh, and it, that that those two. He has been injured so, a bit. Well, we, we, he has been injured, and so we'd be unlucky if he ran into another yeah, one of those. He's not very good. Um, but they've got Defoe, who's in good form, and we'll talk more about about them uh, later in the week. But I think very presumptuous of you there. We yeah. might not talk about them at all. Oh, it'd be an interesting pod on, uh, later <laughs> in the week if we don't. But um, you know, Liverpool have got them and Bournemouth as their next two league games. You know, trips to trip to Bournemouth can be tricky. But he, he, long way away. Yeah. A long way away. And you'd hope Liverpool would have, you know, go and attack this Sunderland side on Saturday, and and uh, you know get themselves back in back in rhythm. I think the disappointment of the point at Mary's was maybe emphasised a little bit by that late winner for City at Crystal Palace, and then what happened with Chelsea on on Sunday. Both games where they were pretty close to dropping points, weren't they? And um, um, so you just gotta, you gotta have those weekends. Um, I still think the way the fixtures are that in the run up to Christmas, uh, and I'll happily be back here on December twenty second. Uh, I still expect Liverpool to be a few points clear. Well, it's now time for our regular "What's Happening with Stephen Gerrard" section. So, James, what's happening with Stephen Gerrard? <laughs> well, not an awful lot at the moment. I think he's enjoying some well earned time off with his his family uh, back on Merseyside. Um, I think probably not a great surprise that he decided that the MK Don's job wasn't for him. Um, you know, he, he certainly held discussions with Pete Winkleman. I think you know, he was he was open to, to the to the idea of it and hearing hearing more about it. But um, you know, I think I think it would have been a, a huge challenge to take on at this this point. You know, a team at the wrong end of League One um, you know, it would have been it would have been being thrown right in the deep end, which. You know, I, I don't think the challenge itself would have put him off because anyone who knows him knows he, you know, he's he's never been one to to shirk a challenge. But you know, I think when you've he's literally what, a week back from LA, um, you know, he's got a lot to think about, a lot to ponder. I think he said he said himself he's had you know loads of offers both to continue playing and and coaching roles as well. Um, so I think to to go straight into management, in you know in you know Milton Keynes isn't exactly around the corner as as well. You know, he's got a young family and another baby on the way to, to think about. So, so no, I think, I think he's probably made a wise move there. Um, but, you know, I think the fact that he, that he seriously spoke to him about it shows, you know, where his ambitions lie. You know, I think we will see Stephen Gerrard move into management, but, um, you know, I think not in the short term. I, I still think back at Liverpool in, in a coaching role, primarily academy-based to start with, is, is the most likely next step for him. Andy, Milton Keynes might not be around the corner, but as James just pointed out, Anfield is... Stephen Gerrard, it is, and 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 Melwood, and indeed he wouldn't be far away from from Kirby if he can drag himself out of the co-op in Formby. But the uh, I think it's spell his name right as well. Yes, exactly. But um, no, I completely agree with James. I think Stephen Stephen I think Stephen Gerrard needs to feel wanted by Liverpool, though. I think he's someone who. This has always been the case, though, hasn't it? This was it the has. reason why. This is almost the reason why he left to Chelsea, if you remember. But, yes, exactly. And for me, 
Jurgen Klopp has said all the right things in terms of, you know, there will never be a time when Steven Gerrard isn't welcome at Liverpool. But I think if he really wants him and feels he can contribute, and it, you'd hope that he does, um, then go and tell him that and, and go and get him and get him working with our young players, which we mentioned in the pod last week. And um, I think he'd be a, f- a fabulous addition to the team there. We've got people like Rob Jones, Robbie Fowler, Steve McManaman already doing stuff up there. He could... Um, you know, we've got Fowler in particular is very keen to go into full time management and things, doesn't he? So, um, you know, get on that path. Um, I know some fans are concerned that he could sort of upset the apple cart that the club are going well at the moment, and it might be a step backwards. Stephen Gerrard's never a step backwards. <laughs> uh, you know, just forget. He can that. only make the place better, can he? Absolutely. So, you know, get him back at Liverpool. Right, I think that should do us for this edition of the podcast. Join us next time, where apparently we'll be talking about the Sunderland game, won't we, Andy? We certainly will.